the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. The Jewish Hour can now be heard on jcastnetwork.org, your portal to Jewish broadcasting. It's also on iTunes and on your smartphone using the Stitcher app. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a great show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be discussing, believe it or not, the Living Torah Museum Animal World Exhibit. This is a really fascinating place. It's located in, in on the East Coast, and so if you're going to be on the East Coast, you want to travel, you're going to go see it. And uh, I, it caught my attention, and it'll catch your attention, too. The portion of the week is the portion of Bishalach. We're going to be talking about the splitting of the Red Sea today. We've got an awesome Hasidic story. Of course, wonderful music. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Terrorists in Hamas-controlled Gaza conducted a test using a long-range M-175 rocket. Rockets of this type are able to reach Tel Aviv and even beyond when fired from Gaza. In response, Israel Air Force aircraft struck three concealed rocket launchers in northern Gaza. Why don't you just take out these long-range ones? The Shin Beit, Israel's security agency, arrested 14 terrorists for their involvement in the bombing of a bus in Bat Yam two weeks ago. A policeman was slightly hurt while trying to disarm the bomb. India will purchase 15 unmanned aerial vehicles from Israel. The drones will boost India's line of surveillance on the Pakistan and Chinese borders. The purchase will cost $2 million. Jerusalem Mayor Nir Barkat assessed the damage of Israel's capital during the recent snowstorm. Jerusalem suffered $84 million in damage. Israel is investigating its options for helping local areas hard hit by the storm. Remember, they don't have a federal government over there. They just, it's like, well, it's not big enough. 
Doctors at Sheba Hospital in Tel HaShomer said that the former Israeli Prime Minister Ariel Sharon's health has become worse. Sharon, 85, suffered a stroke in 2006 that left him in a permanent vegetative state. Speaking of talking about prime ministers and medical, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu underwent medical testing and had a polyp removed from his large intestine. The test was a routine GI checkup that Netanyahu undergoes every year. Leah, this is really disheartening. Leah Revivo, a survivor of the 1970 Avivim school bus massacre in northern Israel, died from a shrapnel infection at the age of 52 this past week. The shrapnel had been lodged in her brain since the time of the shooting when she was nine years old. This is as Israel freed 26 prisoners in the third of four scheduled releases of a total of 104 Palestinians jailed for killing Israeli citizens. And here's one that was killed basically in 1970. And some good news. Israel immigration rose by 7%. 19,200 people arrived in Israel to become citizens in the year 2013. And finally, the IDF, that's Israel Defense Forces, appointed Major Oshrat Bacher as Israel's first female combat battalion commander. Bacher, age 35, is a 17-year-old veteran. She has been assigned as chief intelligence officer along the Egyptian border. And that's the news. Some of the best jobs in the world are in the radio and television industry, and you too can join the workforce in as little as eight months when you complete your hands-on training at the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts located in Southfield, Michigan. At Spex Howard School, students get to play and learn at the same time. Imagine spending your class time behind the microphone, spinning music and hosting your own radio show, or designing and lighting a set for your own TV program, running a camera, learning to edit, directing a program. When you go to Spex, your day will be anything but dull. And if school is this fun, imagine how exciting it is to work in the growing industry. In addition, the credits you earn while attending Spex Howard School are currently accepted at 14 area colleges and universities. If you've always wanted the best job in the world, call for a tour of Spex Howard School at 248-358-9000. That's 248-358-9000. Or visit them on the web at spexhoward.edu. Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. This is where you start. Shul Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. We are online with Rabbi Shulshman Deutsch, who is the moderator of the Torah Animal World in Brooklyn. How are you today, Rabbi Deutsch? Thank you for having us. Oh, it is it is, it is it is it is our pleasure and honor. So, you're, the 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 Torah Animal World is part of a larger organization called the Living Torah Museum. We want to talk about that. Let's talk about the Torah Animal World first. It's, it seems to be getting a lot of attention lately. Yes, um, the Living Torah Museum opened its doors 11 years ago with the concept of teaching Torah through visualization, through seeing ancient artifacts from that time, as well as uh, in 2008, we opened a division called Torah Animal World, where we have taxidermied animals of every type of animal that's mentioned in the Torah. So though that was opened in 2008. At the time that we opened it, it was right before the market crash and everything going downhill. We had uh, taken upon ourselves a lot of debt um, in order to open up this project. Um, to get all the different types of animals that I mentioned in the Torah was a huge, huge undertaking. It, we, we had pre-planned it quite a bit, 
and we had extended ourselves a lot in this process. Uh, we had had a lot of sponsors, and as 2008 came along, the number of sponsors started dwindling, and we were left with a lot of debt in in the process. So. Uh, in the process of uh, having to consolidate what we're not going to be closing down to our animal world, we own three buildings together in Borough Park that are side-by-side with each other. What we're going to be doing is selling off one of the buildings and consolidating Torah Animal World together with the Living Torah Museum in the two remaining buildings. Okay, fair enough. So tell us about the idea. Why is in this day and age of zoos and uh, other media, why is there a need for uh, an exhibit of over 350 taxidermied animals? Most times you go to a zoo, the animals are sleeping. You don't really get to see them up close. Um, And therefore, the learning process is something that people don't fully understand. When people come to Torah Animal World, they not only can walk over to a lion and touch a real lion and feel what a lion really feels like, and he's obviously not going to hurt you in the process, but even more than that, they get to look up close to see, to study. We have a special film presentation that describes what the Torah says about each and every animal. You can see the animals in uh, through video clips in motion, doing the things that the Torah is talking about. Uh, there are things that are mentioned relating to specific uh, animals that you can study them. There's a huge machlaikis right now about certain species of deer that have canine teeth sticking out of the sides of their mouth. And Rav Yisrael Belsky, the Rav Amachar of the OU, and uh, Rav Wagner and Yisrael have had a huge disagreement whether those deer that have canine teeth at the sides of their mouth are considered kosher or not. Well, you can come and view all of these types of deer that have the canine teeth here in the museum. If you want to go find them, uh, you can go through the Bronx Zoo and not see one. You could go through the San Diego Zoo and maybe find two, uh, and you would have to go to uh, the Chicago Field Museum and see a taxidermic version of a, a third kind. Well, all of the different types of them are into our animal world. So, too, when it comes to very interesting uh, creatures that people... Okay, let me... Rabbi Dutch, let me stop you for a second. I have a question about this. Okay, so you have a, a, a rare type of deer, which is a question about if it's kosher or not. So, yes. just to give a little background, what's going to determine if it's kosher or if it has split hooves and it's chew its cud? So, a taxidermied animal, you can see that it has split hooves. How are you able to determine that it chews its cud if it's stuffed? Well, we, we have footage of it chewing its cud, but the problem is uh, th- there are two ways of interpreting the certain Gemara and Cholon. Uh, the Gemara and says that if an animal's legs are cut off and you're in the wilderness and you want, you're hungry, you want to shecht it. So the Gemara says that you can uh, look inside its mouth. If it has upper teeth, uh, canine teeth, then you know it's not kosher. Versus if it doesn't, uh, then it's kosher. Uh, except uh, the, the exception to that is a camel. You have to be able to tell the difference of a camel and the other animal. Well, this Gemara is being interpreted uh, by Rabbi Saul Belsky one way and by Rav Wozner another way. Rabelsky says, when does the Gemara use 
is simon canine teeth, called in Gemar Nevi, only when the feet are cut off. But if the feet are not cut off, then he's just split hooves and upper teeth, and, uh, split hooves and he chooses cuz, who cares if there's canine? Ravazna learns, no, if it has canine teeth, it's trace. So there's a huge fight about this right now. There's many other issues that people make mistakes when they learn Chumash. People think that a tree means a deer. Not. Rashi says it's an ibex. Rapsadi Gaur says it's a gazelle. A deer is an actual ayol, not a tree. So people think a giraffe's neck is too long and we don't know how to shake the giraffe. We don't know how to shake the giraffe. That's Amorasis. Don't ever repeat that. The Shari Tuba says he pulled the ears of the giraffe down. And from where the ears end, the tip of his ears, the tabat has there, you can shecht it all the way down its neck. It's the easiest animal to shecht. So why don't we shecht the uh, giraffes today? For two reasons. They Number one, they're good. very expensive. Number two, is certain states have a law that you're not allowed to shecht an exotic animal. People think that knapir v'kaskes and fins and scales is what makes this fish kosher. That's not true either. There are sharks that have fins and scales that are not kosher. So it says in Shulchanara that if you scratch the surface of a fish and the scales come up easily without tearing the skin of the fish, then it's kosher. If the ones that get torn when you scratch it, like the skin of a shark will tear, that is not kosher. So there is tremendous misconceptions that people have about animals, especially when they're learning Torah. Art scrolls got it wrong in many cases. Some of those things they're now correcting. Uh, there's uh, other people have been passing down information about animals that are not true. And the concept and idea of our animal world was when we opened it is to correct a lot of mistakes that people make. A lot of people walk around thinking that a nester is an eagle. You know, that's 700 years ago. Tysus wrote already in Tysus wrote, Tawus Gedele, it's a huge mistake. That people think a nasher is an eagle. It's a totally different bird. Well, we have that on display in the museum so that people can see what a real nasher is. What what and kind of bird would you say is a nasher? What would you call it in English? It's a griffin vulture. Uh huh. And Rashi, there's a Rashi there. Rashi says vulture. It's a kind of vulture. A nasher is a vulture, and a, an ayat is an eagle. What it says is a bird vein an ayat is an eagle. So there's huge mistakes that people make when it comes to animals. Now, you can go to the Museum of Natural History and see a lot of taxidermy animals, but you won't have it in the context of the Torah. What Torah Animal World does is show you, here's the Pasuk in Chumash. Here is what it's talking about. Yaakov sent a gift to Esau. Izim Tiyashim. What's Izim? What's Tiyashim? Carbon Pesach. What's a Gideism? What is the Kebbis Ben Shana? People are often shocked when they come to Torah Animal World and they actually see how small a Carbon Pesach would have been. A Carbon Pesach was from eight days old to one year. And when I show them the size of what a taxidermied uh, goat and, and sheep would look like at that age, they're, they're shocked. And they ask me always the same question. If it's so small, why did you need a whole group? What did you need a whole chabura? And I explained to them that most of what Yidin ate the night of Pesach was carbon chagiga, especially the other carbon. They ate carbon Pesach, they ate one kazayas or a little more. That's it. 
Because just like I'll be claiming, you eat one because ice. That's what carbon basic would have been. So the, the fact that people walk around with so much misconceptions about animals is the reason why we created our animal world. Okay, you were you were going to I cut you a little on a digression. You were going to talk about exotic animals, unusual species. Well, what's the reference there, Rabbi Deitch? Uh, again, I, I missed the the question. You were you were going to you were talking about. I interrupted you, and you're about to talk about some of the exotic species that you have there. What's the draw? We have we have exotic species. We have a lot of very interesting things. One of the most interesting things we have is we have an elephant. Um, the elephant that we have is an African elephant. And even if you go in New York to the Bronx Zoo, you will only see small elephants called Asian elephants. African elephants stand between 12 and 15 feet tall. And most people are in awe when they see our elephant head that we have. We have a head and shoulder mount. And we mounted it exactly to the height as it would be in the wild. And people cannot imagine that these creatures are so tall. The Ramban and Parshish Noyach asks, how did Noyak fit into the table, the, the ark, the big pilum, the big elephants? Well, when you see how massive these elephants are, you can understand the question of the Ramban. 99% of people who go to zoos and see elephants have no idea how hairy their bodies are. In our museum, you can walk over and touch an elephant, and he has hair all over his body. People are shocked by how much uh, they do, uh, how much hair they have. So there's a lot of uh, creatures that we have here that you would not normally get to see. We also added certain creatures, which not necessarily are mentioned in the Torah, but are very interesting for kids as well. Um, we have a kangaroo with the baby in the pouch, both taxidermy. And this over here is a very unique thing that most people, kids here, never get to see. And we've added certain one of those certain types of those creatures to the museum as well. Mm -hmm. That answers my next question. Maybe is I was I saw in the pictures that are, you have online is you have a zebra, and I was really racking my brain. Where in the Torah is there a zebra? And I was going to ask you, Rabbi. Mention the Megillah Esther. The Megillah Esther, when it says that Mordechai sent out the Achashtronim b'nei Ramachim. The Marim Misulyan, who was a Talmud of the Rabbeinu Tam, writes Zabra. They were zebra riders. Oh, zebra riders. Most okay. people do not know that zebras can be domesticated. In fact, Rothschild proved the whole world wrong. We have a picture of Rothschild in Tring, England, sitting in a wagon being led by four zebras. How do you like that? You live, live and learn, as they say. Now, there's some animals, there's some animals that have, are of d d questionable distinction. We have, like, for example, at the end of portion of Va'eru, we have a discussion of the locust. And there's a big discussion about the, 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 some people really get shocked when I tell them, oh, there are varieties of locusts that are kosher, and Jews for millennia have been eating them. Do you have a locust Absolutely. display there? Yes, we do. Uh, there are four species of, uh, of uh, grasshoppers that are kosher. Um, they're called in the Torah Arba, they're called in the Torah Chagav, Chargoyl, and Solom. The Jews of Morocco have maintained their Messiah. They We know which ones they eat. Uh, also, the Yemenite Jews, the Jews of Yemen, the ones who lived in the villages, still have a Messiah. 
So we have a display showing all the different types of grasshoppers, the kosher ones and the non-kosher ones. And this is a good example because here you can come and see all the different kinds of grasshoppers. And most people don't know that there is a mitzvah midda There's a mitzvah from the Torah to know the difference between a kosher grasshopper and a non-kosher grasshopper. The Rambam writes that even though those who don't eat grasshoppers don't have anything really uh, to do with it in practicality. The Rambam writes, it's a mitzvah There's a mitzvah to be able to tell the difference between a kosher and a non-kosher grasshopper. Okay. This is, this in five is... minutes, any visitor of the museum could be Mekayim, one of the 613 mitzvahs of the time. Okay, so let me ask you. Our guest, if you're just tuning in, is Rabbi Scholzerman Deutsch, who is the curator of the Living Torah Museum. We're talking about part of that museum, which is called the Torah Animal World. I, I have actually, I'm intrigued by locusts. And... Let's say I I don't eat locust, and the reason why I don't eat locust is because my grandfather didn't eat locust. Let's say I catch something in the streets of uh, of New York, and I say, "Hey, this looks like one of those things. This looks like a chaga, for example, this kosher species." And I bring it to now to your museum, and I look it up, and I line it up right next to it, and we go, "Yeah, that's one of those four that you're allowed to eat." Would I be allowed to eat that? Locust now, Rabbi? It's a, huge, it's a huge disagreement because when it comes to birds, we find clear references that the communities that have lost the Messorah, the tradition of certain birds which are kosher and which are not kosher, so then the place can write that you can rely on the communities that already have a Messorah and maintain and rely on them. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein uh, in Igris Moshe wrote about certain birds called the ringneck pheasants and others that there was a question because the Jews of Germany had a Messiah, others didn't. Uh, he said that if you can uh, rely on those that have a Messiah, there's uh, ample reasons to believe that you can. Um, so when it comes to birds, we find clear references. Regarding grasshoppers, um, there are still Rabbanim who don't want uh, people who don't eat grasshoppers to rely on it. In fact, I'll tell you an interesting thing. Uh, there is a su'uda, a uh, big meal of all kosher-related stuff, exotic stuff, that is held every couple of years by my good friend, uh, Dr. Greenspan, uh, and his partner also, uh, Ari Zudakovsky and Ari Greenspan, and they have this big soda. Now, when they have it, um, they have avoided when doing it with grasshoppers when they did it in America because certain rabbinim in America said uh, not to include the grasshoppers. So when it comes to birds, the answer is yes. You can rely on communities that have the Messiah for it. And the OU, for example, my good friend Rabbi Chaim Lucky, who's the bird expert of the OU, will tell you that the OU will give a hechsher on a bird that at least a few communities have maintained the Messiah on that specific bird. But grasshoppers is a little bit of a problem right now. But there are, we have many visitors in the museum from the Moroccan communities that uh, eat grasshoppers, and they show it to us very clearly. In, indeed. Okay, so tell us now about the Living Torah Museum. What are the other exhibits there? 
the Livingtown Museum uh, was opened, as I said, 11 years ago. We have ancient artifacts from every period of Jewish history. Uh, it's the only place in the world you can come and hold a real machatis hashekel from the time of the second base of English. Could, could you explain what that is, please? A Jewish half-shekel coin. This was a temple tax coin that the Jews would give on a yearly basis to the temple in Jerusalem. Um, and it's a requirement to actually uh, give a silver half-shekel on a yearly basis. The last five years before the Jews uh, left Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, before the destruction of the temple, the Jewish uh, population who revolted against Rome minted these coins. And on display in our museum is an original half-shekel coin that was found uh, in the Middle East, and it's from the time of the Second Temple, time of the Second Beit Hamikdash. Uh, the oldest Hanukkah menorah in the world is in our museum here as well. The oldest inscription ever found of the Aseret Vadivers, of the Ten Commandments, from uh, a shul inscription from Yavna from 1,750 years ago. It's the oldest inscription ever found of the Ten Commandments. Written in ancient Hebrew letters is on display in our museum. We have three letters from the President of Israel certifying that it's the oldest one in the world. We have very unique ancient artifacts that visitors can come, look up, look at them closely, get to experience what life in the ancient world was like. Um, our museum has three branches. Borough Park is in Brooklyn. That is our main branch. We have a second branch in the Catskills uh, region uh, in Fallsburg, New York. That is open during the summer months from the end of June through Labor Day. And that one focuses on the Mishnah period. We have a third branch of the museum in Lakewood, New Jersey, which focuses on the Talmud period. Each of our three branches of the museum has an animal section of Torah animal world as well. The bar pipe branch focuses on biblical animals. The, the Catskill branch focuses on animals that are mentioned in the Mishnah. And the Lakewood branch focuses on animals mentioned in the Talmud. For example, the Talmud said, Reish Lakish, one of the great rabbis of the Talmud, once came to the Beit Medrash and started screaming like a bird called a kruchia. Now, 99% of people learn this and have no idea what a kruchia is. Well, we have taxidermy that bird in our Lakewood branch, and we have a film of how he calls and screams. Uh, and so, too, many animals that I mentioned in the Talmud are in our Lakewood branch. Mishnah branch uh, has animals mentioned in the Mishnah. The Barapot branch has biblical animals. Indeed. Okay, so if people want to find out more, what's the website for the... Uh www.torahmuseum.com, uh, www or they can just call, uh, and we can send them information, 877-PLAN-A-TOR, that's 877-PLAN-A-TOR, 877-752-6286, 877-752-6286. Okay, that's great. That's going to wrap us up for us. Thank you so much. Our guest has been Rabbi Shal Shimon Deitch the curator of the Living Torah Museum and the Torah Animal World exhibit there. But thank you so much, and we wish you continued success. Thank you so much for having us. Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. 
Do you or someone you know have an addiction to opiates? Ready to take your life back but don't have the time for a long inpatient program? MDS Drug Detox is a team of physicians with extensive experience in the field of rapid drug detox under anesthesia. MDS is the nation's only rapid opiate detox under anesthesia facility with the same doctors, RNs, and certified paramedics attending the entire drug detox process. MDS Drug Detox is safe and effective. Their goal is to provide the best, the safest, and the most economical way to free you from your addiction. MDS uses the highest standards of care and the best FDA-approved medications. MDS Drug Detox understands what your concerns are. Make the call today, 888-637-6968, or go online to www.mdsdrugdetox.com. That's 888-637-6968, MDS Drug Detox. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. You may wonder what my fascination with Locust is, but um, I have a good buddy, a real good buddy. My name is Svee Freeman. He's one of the, uh, the major editors on Chabad.org, which is one of the re- websites that I recommend. If you want to know anything about Judaism, go to Chabad.org, C-H-A-B-A-D.org. So uh, his mother's family is from Iraq. They escaped from Iraq after 1948 and moved to Vancouver. I was studying in uh, Seattle at the time and was with, together with my buddy Sri Freeman and has went to go visit his family in Vancouver, which is just, you know, it's an hour away. So I'm sitting there, I was kibitzing with his, with his old grandmother. So I said to her, how do you like living in Canada? And she said, pardon me for imitating her, I hate it. I absolutely hate Canada. I said, what's the problem? She said, I lived 51 years in Iraq. I never had no cavities. Here I come to Canada. I get a mouthful of Canada cavities. And besides, here in Vancouver, you get no locust. I went, no what? Locust. I'm like looking at her like, I, haven't, I don't know what you're talking. Locust. I went, locust? And she said, yeah. My stomach just like kind of flipped. I just like felt it. It's just like... And then I said, okay, I'm going to give us a little further. And I said to her, I bet you had the best recipe for locust. And she said, oh, you take the locust, you stick it in an egg, you stick it in a flour, you put it in a hot, fat, crunchy, delicious. My stomach was like nuts after that. But yeah, so fascinating. If you served it to me and you didn't tell me what it was and I ate it and I said, you know, oh, crunchy, delicious, you know, so maybe... (laughs) Maybe I'd be a fan, but to me, it's just like, it's a bug. Anyway, speaking of bugs, we have, this is uh, new on the scene. This is a new guy in the Israeli music scene. His name is Adar, and he's going to be singing a song for us called Halila, which means tonight, and this is a wedding song.
assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Hey, Shulfenman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Let's go right to the next song. It's God Elbaz. Part of me is the name of the song, and this is coming from the girls in Chicago. Thank you so much. It's just for you. studio of oak park is now accepting students whether you're a real beginner or have been at it for a lifetime the art studio of oak park has something for you all levels welcome all ages welcome private tutoring or small friendly classes flexible hours available the art studio of oak park is very affordable 
Make your life better. Put art into your life. The Art Studio of Oak Park offers lessons in a strictly kosher environment. Call today, 248-542-5087. That's 248-542-5087. It's great having an art room right in the neighborhood. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Shower. The New England Conservatory of Music has, over the past decades, had an ensemble, oh, it's almost an orchestra, it's so big, called the Klezmer Conservatory Band. And they've, over the past, since the 60s, have been cutting records and then CDs, and now I don't know what media they're, they're putting the, these things on these days. So they've been waning for quite a while, haven't seen anything, but they've got a new album. It's called the Maron Niggin, is the name of the CD. This is the Klezmer Conservatory Band. And we're going to play the title cut from the CD, which is called the Maron Niggin, the song from Maron.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week's portion is the portion of Beshalach. It can be found in chapter 13 and following in the book of Exodus. It is discussed, this is where we have the real exodus of the Jewish people. They left Egypt last week. Now they start, they're camped at the sea. And for the most part, it's like them getting across the sea, which is what we're going to talk about, is the crossing of the Red Sea. <laughs> the, it says in the Talmud, what's an example of something which is difficult for God is the splitting of the Red Sea. Now, this question and the answer warrant discussion, which is really a good thing about Judaism, because you could ask a question like, tell me something that's difficult for God. You get an answer. Oh, the splitting of the Red Sea. And now, it's just like, wait a minute, T.O., back up. First of all, how can you ask the question? If the question is asked, it means that there has to be some sort of supposition that there's a question there. You can't just pull a question out of thin air and have it not make any sense. The question, in, in Judaism, the question is also an intrinsic part of the answer because you wouldn't have the answer if you didn't have the question. So the question is also part of the Torah. And then, so, so what does it mean difficult? And then the Red Sea? Why didn't it say, for example, the creation of heaven and earth? That, for, for me, it says, okay, so you have some water, and the water kind of like just split apart, okay? That doesn't sound as difficult as, say, taking a nothing and making it something. Because what was here before the world was created? Nothing. What's here now? Something. That seems to me to be, I can, I can, listen, I can hold water apart. I can make like his little thing. Cecil B. DeMille's did it. He played the film backward over there. Got the thing going backwards over there. And I wish Spielberg would really redo the Ten Commandments. You know, some modern computer stuff going on. I think that would be awesome. I might even actually pay the price of admission to see it. Might correct some of the mistakes, but I digress. Whereas I can't take nothing and make it into something because, first of all, I ain't got nothing. There's no nothing that I have. I have no nothing, so I can't make nothing into something. So that, to me, seems difficult. Lubavitcher Rebbe answers this question. I'm sure there are a zillion answers. Lubavitcher Rebbe answers this question. To take a nothing from something is, to take a something from nothing is easy because all it involves is one thing. You have the nothing, and you take the nothing, and you make it into something. 
What's difficult? You have water. Water has a specific nature. The specific nature of water is to be flowing and viscous. And in fact, water is an embodiment, a representation of divine kindness. It's an expression of kindness. Because water is the giver of life. You know, they're sending probes to Mars. What are they looking for? Water. Okay? It's a long way to go for a, for a drink, let me tell you. I know that they're looking for water ice. They want a cold glass of water, too. And then, what do we do? We want to split the water. We want to make it stand up in a polarized form. We want to limit it. That is totally and completely going against the nature of water. It was the Almighty who decided that the nature of water should be flowing and viscous and wet and et cetera, and et cetera, et cetera. And it generally, the Almighty says, nature's nature. I don't mess with nature. And in all the other miracles that were wrought throughout the millennia, what happened was is there was a stretching or a bending of nature. Like the miracle of Hanukkah, for example. There was enough oil to last for one day, and it burned for eight days. So what did it do? It burned slowly. There's a discussion in the, in the commentaries as to what exactly was the miracle. Some say it burned slowly. Some say they only put a little bit in it at a time. Some say that the drug filled up again. All these things are uh, stretching the laws of nature. Miracles happen to us all the time. It's sunny outside in Michigan in the wintertime. Hey, this is, you know, <laughs> it, it could happen. The, uh, this is miraculous. Okay, The fact that the sun rose this morning at exactly 8 o'clock and will rise next year at exactly 8 o'clock and the year after that on this day at exactly 8 o'clock is miraculous because that's, but that's the laws of nature. Here, the splitting of the sea was the only example where God said, I'm sorry, I have to do this. This is for the good of the Jewish people. We need to get them away from the Egyptians. The answer to the question, why did the Jews cross the sea, was not to get to the other side, because the Talmud tells us that they entered in one side, and they came up on the same side downriver, downshore. The Almighty did it just to prove his greatness, to get the Jews away from the Egyptians, to say, you're not going back to Egypt anymore. We're done. We're, we're, making, we're severing that connection to Egypt. It's not going to happen again. So we see that the Almighty makes rules even for himself. But when it came time for a need, the rule was circumvented because the Almighty's got our back. That's really bottom line to it. Because here it is, the Jews are in a peninsula or an isthmus. As in the expression, what's an isthmus? We know the definition. Use isthmus in a sentence. This must be my lucky day. Yes, we know that. That's like they look back to the 1920s, the little rascals. Anyway, so the, uh, they're stuck. They're three sides surrounded on water. They got the Egyptians coming on the fourth side, and they don't know what to do. And the Almighty said, just be quiet. 
They broke into factions. We should go back. We should fight. We should throw ourselves into the water. We should stand and pray. God said, Vatem Tacharishan, just shut up. Let me take care of this. I got this. The Almighty always has it. And that's what we really have to turn around sometime and just look and say, yeah, the Almighty's got my back. Speaking of back, we'll be right back. We got to take a quick commercial break. We got an awesome Hasidic story. Don't go away. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Hi, this is Spex Howard from the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. We're happy to sponsor the Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to the community. While much of the funding for the Jewish Hour comes from its sponsors, it's listeners like you that help keep the Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to the Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. That's 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. Your help is greatly appreciated. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Easiest way? RabbiFinman.com. www.rabbifinman.com. Right on the home page, you don't even have to go look to contact. You know, it's one of the things I hate is you go to a website. It's one of these really developed websites, and you have to find where it says contact us. Nope. Right on the home page, right there, first paragraph, contact us. You contact me, I'll contact you back. We've had uh, lots of good conversations in the, uh, via the Internet. Be a part of it. Go to RabbiFinman.com. What else will you find? Archived editions of the show. Missed a little bit of this wonderful, uh, wonderful interview we had today with Rabbi Shimon Deutsch of the Living Torah Museum. Go to RabbiFinman.com. It'll be there as of Sunday afternoon by the time I get to put it up. When it stays up there for about a month, you can hear some of the older, uh, older shows. You'll also find the E-Parsha, the U-Parsha and the Hasidic U-Story, which is uh, insights into the Torah, the holidays, and stories in various media by yours truly for you and also the very important donation page we're at the beginning of january it's a new month new bills we got to get paid we have advertisers thank god not enough or maybe you might say too much but if you'd like to have less advertisers well go to the computer go to rabbifinman.com go to the donations page click on any number of your choice or write your own number in it's all safe secure it's all through paypal everything's wonderful You'll be glad you did, and so will all the people that have been listening to the Jewish year now going into its 18th year. March is our 18th anniversary, folks. Wow. It's going to be big. Don't like using the Internet for donations? I understand. Send your donation to The Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. Some 30-something years ago, Actually, what was actually 30 years ago, a woman who is now Mrs. Shalama Saxon, I have no idea what her maiden name was, became a bat mitzvah. She was 12 years old and now entering into, in Judaism, the stage called womanhood. She's now a woman, according to Judaism, with the responsibilities and rights thereof. It was customary in our circles in the Lubavitch to write to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and saying to this, in fact, that informing the Rebbe that, yes, I am now a bat mitzvah and we do it for a bar mitzvah. And the Rebbe would respond. In later years, I'm talking later years, I'm talking already from like the mid-70s, 
the Rebbe had a standard answer. There was a standard version. In fact, I have a card in a uh, among all my rabbi things that has the all-occasion card that there was a standard answer for getting married, a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah, a bris, and uh, circumcision. And uh, this is what people would write in, and they would get these answers. And it was all very nice. She decided that she's going to write into the Rebbe and tell him not only that she bought mitzvah, but she figured that she, she's asking for a blessing. She should give the Rebbe a blessing as well. It's a very nice thing for a girl who's almost 12 years old, very thoughtful of her. But she was embarrassed because she knew that the Rebbe's secretaries were going to be reading her letter to decide what are they going to do with it, okay? So her brother, her older brother, taught her this very simple code. What's the code? Is that you write the next letter up. So in this case, the word apple, for example, would be B-Q-Q-K-F. Okay? It's very simple. Okay? If somebody's just looking at B-Q-Q-A-L-F, wouldn't know what that is. So, but if you knew what the code was, you did one black, you know it's the word apple. So she did this, and she wrote this, this blessing to the Rebbe that she wishes, and they take this occasion at her becoming a bat mitzvah, that she is going to wish the blessing for her husband, her, for, her, for the Rebbe and, her, and his wife, that they should be blessed with a child. And it was sent off. She got a letter back, the standard letter, as my daughters received those, and at the bottom, written in code, in the same code, was the words, thank you very much for the blessing. And uh, this, this woman, when she tells the story, says, could you imagine, here's a, world, a leader of world Jewry. And he took the time to figure out what was this scrawl at the bottom of the letter in code, and then took the time to take the standard format letter and to write back in code. This is a Jewish letter. That's going to do it for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. Stay warm, and we'll see you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.